my first sales were that way through word of mouth or me starting to tell people when they got in my vehicle. Uh, so definitely if you have a product or service, like you need to be vocal about it. You need to let people know because if you don't, how are they supposed to know? Find a person that has been in your space and has basically been there and done it. Because if you do, that can speed up your process or you figuring things out or your business so much. It's difficult for some people because they don't want to be on camera. And uh, I also tell people that they need to get on camera. The more you do something, the more comfortable you're going to get at it, obviously. But the first time you get on camera, you're going to suck. Like there's no, and I did too, and I'm still not perfect at it. So on today's episode, you're going to hear a YouTube influencer to e-commerce industry. It's even actually bigger than that. It's a great episode you don't want to miss, so do stay tuned. Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation in the last decade. The widespread adoption of mobile technology, social media, as well as the lowered cost of cloud-based technology have not only eroded the barriers to entry in retail, but it's also led to the rapid rise and dominance of digital native product brands that sell directly to their customers. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies employed by high-growth digital native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or fourfold. That's when you start to unlock channels in the way that they were meant to be used. In Listen to interviews with experts at the forefront of technology and, and innovation in digital retail. Three years ago, they wouldn't have come to us because, yeah, the macro trend of cloud, Wi-Fi, broadband availability, that was a real, that was a real problem. Hear firsthand stories from founders of innovative direct-to-consumer brands. Although I was thinking about the competition, I was more thinking about, like, how do I just build a freaking successful business? We focus on driving as much traffic as possible, converting that traffic, uh, and then dumping money back into driving more traffic. These insights will help you consistently 2x growth in specific areas of your direct-to-consumer brand. This is the 2x e-commerce podcast, hosted by Kunle Campbell. So welcome, welcome, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. I'm your host, Kunde Campbell. This is the podcast dedicated to digital commerce insights for e-commerce and retail teams. Each week on this podcast, we interview commerce experts, a founder at a digital native consumer brand, a representative from a best-in-class commerce SaaS product. We give them a very tight remit to give you ideas you can test right away on your brand so you can improve commerce growth metrics such as conversions, average order value, repeat customers, your audience size, and ultimately your gross merchant value or sales. We are here to help you sell more. Right. Today's episode um, was an interview I had with, or is an interview I, I had with Jonathan Price. He's the founder CEO of Down for Sound Shop. It's down, the four is the 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 figure, the the, the number four and sound shop. Phenomenal story. Here's why. Dude grows up in Alabama. Um, he is comfortable, right? Um, he's in a 95, 95, and then he has to move to, he picks up a passion and, and it's in audio, car audio, and he's just, it's just a side project. And then he has to make a move to Las Vegas. 
And from then on, he grows this, his passion um, with more content, with more in-person events. He merges his in-person experiences with content online and he keeps growing it till, you know, um, he changes warehouse, warehouses a few times and eventually um, he's running a $20 million plus in revenue profitable business in, in Las Vegas with his partner and team. And um, it's, it's just five years old. He's just getting started. Um, it was, he's down to earth. He really gives us a story, you know, so what to expect, you know, his, his, his beginnings and what he's doing now. So we really get into content, you know, how does he you know, approach content on, on, on social media, what's his main social media channel for, for garnering, um, you know, um, um, you know, audience and building community. Um, what else does he do outside of content creation to drive, you know, more, um, you know, just, just more revenue and what is the expected return from the revenue he typically, you know, gets. So phenomenal story, down to earth. He doesn't claim to be the smartest person in the room. He has EQ. He he has massive EQ and he leverages off the back of emotional intelligence. So again, I enjoyed it. The, the This episode or this this recording was over, was about an hour, 15 minutes, or no, an hour, 20 minutes actually. So enjoy the conversation, get your popcorn if you're in your living room, which you're probably not. You're probably walking or working out. And, you know, just enjoy it. Enjoy it. Um, if you want to hear an entrepreneurial story, um, the, the other thing I forgot is they're doing, um, they, they have their own brand. So they're not necessarily only distributors. Um, they, they have their own brand and it was a new thing they, they started to develop. And that has really, really changed their numbers. So, um, yeah, if you... Um, you know, want to hear a DTC, you know, entrepreneur story, you want to sort of understand that fine intersection between, um, you know, content and commerce, this one's for you. So I shall leave you and catch you on the other side. Cheers. The 2X e-commerce podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo gives you the tools to get growing faster. That is why it's trusted by over 50,000 e-commerce brands like Brooklinen, Non, and Chubby's. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit klaviyo.com forward slash 2x to create your free account. That is K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com forward slash 2x. Jonathan, JP, welcome to the 2x e-commerce podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been a long time coming. I've been looking forward to this one. Um, let's start out with your backstory. Where did you grow up? How was your childhood? Why did you do what you do? Let's go back to your childhood. <laughs> uh, my childhood? So I come from a small town in Mississippi, United States, Greenville, Mississippi. The town probably at the time was 15,000 people, nothing major. Mm. So a uh, little country town, a lot of farming. The Farming was one of the biggest things there. So a, a lot of people worked on farms. And my very fir 
well, let's go back to my very first, before my very first job, uh, technically my very first job. So when I was a kid, my dad was always teaching me hard work. And if you basically, he always told me like, you can have anything you want in this life, as long as you're willing to work your butt off for it. And I'm like, okay. I mean, as a kid, you're like, okay, I hear it. I hear it. Um, but so as I was, uh, I don't know, when I was three or four, there's a picture that I have that's pretty cool. Uh, it's, um, I'm pushing, so there's a lawnmower, as we call them, mm-hmm. um, where uh, there's a push mower, and I'm a little kid, and I, there's two different levels to the thing that you push on. And I was just tall enough to do the, the lower level one, and my mom was behind me pushing the top one. So they were, I don't know how old I was, I would guess three or four. I was pushing this lawnmower with my parents. So that even way back then was teaching me I, I need to do something to get a reward for yeah. it. So at this very young age, I was uh, starting to cut grass. And then obviously, as I got to be six, seven, eight years old, I was cutting my grass at the house. That was my wow. job. Like wow. to, So I was doing that and I started like helping my dad wash the, his vehicles at the house and everything. And um, eventually my neighbors would be driving by and they're like, hey, Jonathan, how much to cut my grass? I'm like, I don't know, five dollars. I didn't know any, like when you don't have any, and this is really common for kids when you don't have any, when you've never had to buy something or trade your hours of your life for dollars, you don't know what it's worth. Hmm. So you're like, I don't know what I charge for this five bucks. And they're like, oh yeah, okay, come, come cut my grass. Cause obviously everybody was, I don't know, charging 15 or $20 at that point. So they're like, man, what a deal. So before I knew it, I was cutting 10 people's yards on my street. And I was like six or seven, eight years old. Like I was, and um, the only thing that I wanted to do was at that time we had a a snow cone or ice cream man that would come around the neighborhoods and like sell candy, ice cream, whatever. And I'm like, man, if I could just make some money, I could get my favorite candy or whatever. So that was the reward at that time. It wasn't so much the money. It was me wanting to like be able to get some treats from the snow cone man. Um, Anyway, that was kind of how my, I don't know, entrepreneur mindset kind of got started, like business mindset. I'm like, okay, I can, like, this is kind of my own business because, uh, like, I'm cutting grass. Like, nobody's really my boss. I just have to be sure to cut these people's grass once a week. And so I did that for a while. And I always had that as a side hustle, as I call it like throughout my whole life, I would always cut grass when I lived in Mississippi. That's because it's, I mean, obviously it's seasonal, but I would always do that because it was a source of cash income. So I always did that up until the time that I moved to Las Vegas. Yeah. You're in Las uh, Vegas so, now. Yep. Okay. Correct. Um, so when did you uh, move? I, uh, I moved, it's been six, seven years now. Okay. So, um, it's, it's been a while ago. Um, but as I was a kid and I, and I started growing up and I became a teenager, and uh, so I always did little things here and there to make money uh, kind of on my own. Even when I was at school, <laughs> this is another entre- a little entrepreneur, like mini entrepreneur story. When I was in school, uh, I started seeing people or kids my age, they're like, oh, I'd like these little toys would come out or they would come to school with these different candies. I'm like, I saw those in Walmart or Costco or whatever in the bulk bags. So I'm like, if I could if I could buy the bulk bag with my money that I made cutting grass, 
I could take it to them and I could sell it for 25 cents or 50 cents or a dollar. And so I started making money selling these little like individual candies mm-hmm. instead of the big bags. So um, I actually got in trouble at school because I, I guess you're not supposed to be selling oh. stuff, even if it's candy. They're they're like, um, so I got in trouble a couple of times, and and but I was always trying to do it in the way that I figured out how to keep doing it was um, to sell it before you got to school mm-hmm. or after school. So uh, I was doing it uh, like on the bus on the way to school, and we I rode the public bus to the uh, to school. I would sell the stuff mm-hmm. uh, on the bus, and then when we'd be going home, I'd sell it after school. That's right. So um, I was making money that way. Uh, and that was probably sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Uh, so um, shortly thereafter, I got my first full-time job, uh, which was chopping cotton uh, at a farm in in Mississippi. And this was my first like paid job for trading hours of my life for dollars. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was it was some of the hardest work that I've ever done, and it really shaped me into um, a more aware person and an appreciative person. I always preach to people that perspective is everything. If you think your life is bad, there's somebody out there that has it way worse. There's always somebody out there that has a, because we'll say we work out and we, our legs are sore. You're like, man, my legs are so sore. This sucks. I'm like, there's people out there that don't even have legs. They they can't even walk. They're they can't. They're paralyzed from the neck down. Like you just have to do a perspective check. Yeah. Like be grateful for you having the pain in your legs because there's people out there that can't even have that ability. They don't even have them. So, anyway, this gave me that perspective of everything that I did from there forward was I wasn't out in the sun all day long in the Mississippi Delta. It's very humid weather, mm. 100 degrees, and you're you're there with this this hoe tool, tool and you're just like chopping cotton. Like you're cutting rows of uh, cotton out so they can do different test beds or right. cutting weeds out. And like at the end so of the day... So you're cutting cotton out of the, the crop. You're, you're taking it out of the crop. Is, is that it? And harvesting it or... Uh, well, not so much harvesting it. Um, you're basically... So you sometimes you would chop actual cotton plants all the way down so they could have oh. different rows of uh, cotton to test. Right. And bef- and other times you would just be uh, cutting the weeds or the everything that wasn't cotton out of there so it was just cotton. Okay. Um, so at the end of the day, your hands would have blisters all mm. over them or like they were bleeding. And I can remember it like it was yesterday. So when I sit at my desk now and I'm like, man, this is... This is crazy to be here now, but that's it gives me that perspective to think of when I, my very first job, I was chopping cotton out there doing this very hard, laborious job. And that's I think that's really what shaped me and molded me in my childhood to make me appreciate things and, and give me that perspective of like, it, you have a you have it good now. Like you're you're doing a, a yeah. good job, and uh, because when I first started, it wasn't at all like this. Like it was totally different. But my parents, they were great parents. They uh, they I never went without, but they always taught me the value of a dollar through working. And also, if I wanted something, say I wanted. I don't know. We call them dirt bikes, like mm-hmm. a, a bike with an engine on it. Basically, yeah. I wanted my first dirt bike, and um, my dad was like, "You can have it." But you have to pay for half of it. And I'm like, man, this thing's a thousand dollars. I don't have that much money. And so, but they always made me pay for half. So that way, 
because I know now, like I have a daughter, and if you just constantly give people things, give, 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 and they don't have to do any type of work for it, Mm -hmm. they may tell you thank you and they appreciate it, but how much do they really appreciate it if you just keep showering people with this stuff and they don't have to work at all for it? Mm-hmm. They they can't, they they just don't know what it took, how many hours of your life you had to trade to get that, to give to them. They just don't know. They just say thank you. But the value of it is it, definitely not as valuable as if they had to work all that time to buy it themselves. Correct. Because then they're like, oh, I had to work eight months to purchase this. Like, man, I, I traded a lot of my time to be able to get this. But anyway, no, they taught me hard work uh, and, and the value of a dollar. And they uh, told me to be a respectable individual and have manners and everything so, like that. So, so when did your, um, your, your interest um, for like audio, car audio systems begin to, 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 to emerge? Um, <laughs> this is a good story too. Um, I feel like I have a whole book of stories that I can uh, bring out. But uh, so when I was twelve or thirteen, I was riding with I couldn't I couldn't drive at that time, so I was riding with my mother, and we pulled up to a red light, and uh, this person pulled up beside me, and I heard this noise, and I'm like what is that noise? And I'm looking around and my mom's mirror is shaking on the, uh, the, her, uh, window a little bit. And uh, like, I'm like, what, what is going on? What is that? And my mom's like, that loud bass, like, I can't stand that stuff. And I, and me being a, a teenager, I'm like, man, that's so cool. Like, I love that. I'm like, but I didn't even know bass existed. I'd never heard it before. I, I never, I just didn't know about it because I was a kid and obviously my parents weren't into car audio like that. So I, I, I just didn't know about it. So I look over and this guy has a truck and it, it, it looks really nice. It's customized. And I'm like, man, that's so cool. And I look and I like remember the, what the truck looked like. And that kind of got my interest peaked into car audio, wondering about it. And, um, Fast forward a year or two later in uh, Mississippi, back then you could get what was called a hardship license where um, it was uh, basically a driver's license, but you could only drive during the hours of like 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. only to go to work because, mm-hmm. yes, you could technically work at 14 back then. Like it, there wasn't any law <laughs> saying you couldn't work at a younger age. Um, I mean, you're, anyway. you're, you're mowing lawns at seven, so… <laughs> <laughs> right uh, but i'm talking about like on like yeah, paper yeah, yeah. like you're yeah, working I'm when you're cutting you grass yeah. um so uh so anyway um i had i was going to my first technical job of chopping cotton and i was on my way back one day and uh and i was sitting there and i hear this noise again and i'm like what what i remember that what where's it coming from and he and he pulls up beside me and i'm just looking at him like man this dude's so cool I, I, like this is so awesome and uh I, and he pulls up and i'm like man i'm going to follow this guy and see where he goes and so i can ask him what is that so i follow him for like miles around the town and when he eventually pulls into a gas station to get gas so i pull up beside him and i go over there i'm like hey man uh what what is that what what makes all that noise and he's like oh it's my subwoofers in the back and i'm like well, what is that and so he's like oh come over and check it out and he he opens the truck and he shows it and i'm like man that's so cool it's the coolest thing ever and um he's like you want to hear it and i'm like oh yeah definitely so i get in there and like i get my first experience of a really cool car audio system and that was the day that i was just hooked like i'm like man this is the coolest thing ever so um ever since that day i've just been hooked on car audio like i think it's really cool and how it's been progressing and stuff Uh, Mm -hmm. so uh, i'll never forget that day super super interesting so um 
you, you, did you have to get a car first? Did you did you experiment with your parents' cars? You know, how how did you sort of start to, um, you know, experiment really? Uh, so when I was um, <laughs> for another funny story, I was, uh, f- yeah, fifteen. I had been driving for a year, and I was, but I was using my parents' vehicle, and he didn't like my or my dad's truck, and he didn't want me like really doing anything to it. He just leave it alone, leave it factory, don't mess with it. Like okay, uh, so I'm like, uh, when I get my own vehicle, I'll start customizing it the way that I want it to be. So I I wanted a Jeep. Like I just really wanted a Jeep to be my first vehicle. So I was before I was even able to get one. Um, I was writing down on paper like, okay, I'm gonna do this customization, this customization. I was drawing pictures of my dream Jeep. Like I was doing all this. I had it all planned out. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll definitely when I get my Jeep, I'll I know exactly what I'm gonna do to it. So uh, when I turned, I think it was my 15th birthday. Um, my dad ended up coming home i come I, i'm riding the bus I, I come home and my dad's home and uh i i remember pulling up in front of my house that day and i look out in the driveway i'm like man it's a it was practically a brand new chevy truck sitting out there i'm like man whose truck is that did i get a new truck because i didn't see my dad's truck and uh so i go inside and the truck it was a chevy z71 i don't know if there's or chevy four-wheel drive pickup truck basically mm-hmm. uh the nicest one um and i'm like so at that time in Greenville, Mississippi. This was like if you had one of those, you were the king of the town. Like this, it didn't get any better. People knew who you were. Like you were just. It's basically somebody that has a Lamborghini now. Like right. that, back in a small country town, if you had a Chevy Z seventy one, you were the Lamborghini owner. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I get out and I'm walking in. I'm just drooling over the truck as I'm walking by, and I go inside and I see my uh, dad at the table. And I'm like, uh, Dad, whose truck is that? He's like, Oh, it's my friend's. Uh, um, he went out of town. He wanted us me to watch it for him. And I'm like, Man, that truck's so awesome. He's like, Yeah, it's really nice. And then I'm like, Yes, sir. And uh, he's like, You want to go look at it? I, he left the keys with me in case I needed to move it. I'm like, Oh yeah, for sure. So uh, we go outside and we're looking all around like the tires and all the different features and stuff. And he opens it up. He's like, Get up there, get behind the wheel, and uh, see like see what it feels like and stuff. So I get back there, uh, or I get up in in the truck and I'm like just holding on to the steering wheel, kind of in the like dreamy moment like this euphoric moment because I, I thought this was the coolest thing ever so I'm sitting there and he uh, shuts the door and he's just like watching me like just drool over the vehicle and uh, I'm like man dad I can't believe how awesome this truck is like and he said um, do you really like it and I said yeah and he said okay and he hands me the keys to it. He's like, it's yours. And I'm like <laughs> and I'm just like I probably sit there for like five minutes and it it bring it gives me goosebumps like because it I remember that day like it was yesterday it impacted me like I mean I, I started crying and like and it brings it makes my eyes water because I remember that feeling that flooded over me at that time and um and it was a, a moving time for me hmm. uh, a quick little tidbit I ended up uh, just a, a month ago on October the first I gave him a, a brand new. GMC Denali Ultimate pickup truck wow. for his birthday. Wow. And I, I made a video of it. It's on my YouTube channel. Uh, but I made a video of that giving it back to my dad uh, because he gave that truck to me when I was 14. Wow. Now, when he turned uh, 70, I gave him an $83,000 truck for his mm. birthday. Mm. And he was able to experience 
the feeling that I felt. He mm-hmm. he was speechless. He like he was choked up, and it was amazing to be able to do that. And that that came from mm-hmm. this hard work, consistency, and and um, I know I went off on a little tangent there, but no, no, um, no. <laughs> when, when I had. When I had my when he when I got that truck, I ended up doing my first little experiments with speakers and amplifiers and subwoofers and stuff. And it, did, it did he grew know more than... you 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 did he know the purpose of that car because th- that car was instrumental to to you getting into to car audio. So did he did he purchase it specifically for 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 that purpose? He he did not. He didn't at that time they didn't really know and I didn't know how much I loved car audio at that time either. I, I thought mm-hmm. it was cool, but I didn't know what it was going to snowball into basically. Um so there he didn't know. Uh he just I think wanted to give his son something that he was never able to afford or have as a kid. Uh he he has a, a story of his own, but he he's the true American success story. He moved over here from Germany when he was seven years old, mm-hmm. and um, he didn't speak any English. Like it was, they, there was a war going on over there, and uh, he they barely escaped to be able to move over to Kentucky with my grandfather that lived in Kentucky at the time, but mm-hmm. they lived in a one room shack. Like there was <laughs> six of them, seven. Seven of them in a, a small one room place, dirt floors. They bathed in, in a like a tub with water, no hot water, hmm. like really hard beginnings. And like obviously not speaking English when you move over here, you didn't have a a, a device in your hand that you could yeah. say, "Hey, translate this to English no. so I can talk to these people." He had to sit in a, a schoolroom for years, and just hearing these different words and kind of putting together what they meant, so he could eventually speak English. Hmm. And um, anyway, so he had a very difficult start to life, and I know that's why he he taught us hard work and consistency, but he always wanted us to have more than he did, and I, and I understand that too. Like, we always want our kids to have a better life. Like, when we experience hardships, we're like, okay, I don't want my kids to go through that. Like, I want them to have a little bit nicer vehicle or a little bit nicer house or, like, a nicer school or, like, whatever it might be. Yeah. So, I think it's just subconsciously programmed into us to be that way. Yeah. Um, but it can get to a point of where it's, I don't know if the right word is toxic, but you you know, the people talk about generational wealth. Yes. That it's initially it sounds great, but it can also be a curse because if a person doesn't have to work to say a person inherits $10 million and they don't have it's almost like a person winning the lottery. What happens to most people that win the lottery? They go broke, they go broke within a so. year. Yeah. Because they don't know they they don't have any physical hard work or anything that it took to get there. It was just a windfall that fell in their lap. So it doesn't mean anything to them. They're like, "Oh, let's just spin, spin, spin." And they're like, "Oh, crap, it's gone." It's so gone. it's the same yeah. it, it can be the same thing when you leave a big inheritance to your kids. They like they blow it all, and within a couple of years, they're like, "Whoa, where where did that ten million dollars go?" And it's it's gone. Like you can't get it back. Yeah. So uh, it's I, I view it a lot as the same thing. If you don't teach them the value of a dollar and hard work and what it takes to get there, if you don't make them work for it somewhat, it it won't mean anything to them. They won't know how to manage it, how to keep it. So. Anyway. Yeah, super, super interesting, super interesting. So, down for sound shop. Um, when did you, 
you know, what what was the genesis of it, and um, how did you sort of evolve to, to to where you now where you are now? You're you're a twenty million dollar brand. Um, you've moved warehouses three times. You're in a huge warehouse space. Um, I've checked out the reviews on on. On, on your, you know, on, on, you know, on, on, like the reviews on seller reviews, your, your, your product mm-hmm. reviews, sterling, sterling, sterling customer service. You guys are doing a terrific job today. Where did it begin, and and how, um, you know, how how did it evolve real quick? Um, so, getting it started, uh, this is something that takes a lot for me to say, but um, I was, I, and I didn't realize it until later that I was a, I was really selfish. Like when I first got started, uh, I thought I'm gonna do all this myself. When I first started the Down for Sound thing, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do all the inventory. I'm gonna process all you, the shipments. Sorry, but why did you start Down for Sound? Oh, so to the reason why I started Down for Sound was to serve these people that had this demand. When I would go to these shows, and people would ask me, "Where did you get your stuff from?" When so did you start going to shows? Why did you start attending shows? Um, where was the Chevy at at the time? You know. Um, um, so this this came a lot. So I had I had I had a system, a bigger system in that vehicle. But when I left, to, so I got out of car audio for a while. When mm-hmm. I went to college, like because I was a poor college kid, broke and couldn't afford it, so I had to sell my stuff. And uh, so I got out of it for a while. But after I got out of college, I'm like, oh, I kind of miss having bass in my vehicle. So I started doing another system, and I still have this vehicle, which is a Chevy Tahoe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started doing that, and I just started going to shows because I enjoyed going to shows. It wasn't. I didn't know at that time, but I was laying the foundation for Down for Sound to eventually come. But at that time, I was just going to hang out with friends and have a good time. And again, I wasn't selling anything. So, so that was so you, probably... you were attending these shows as a consumer. You're looking at what's the latest gear out there. Let me just, you know, um, see what's there. Let me evaluate. Let me catch up with like-minded people and just have fun. Yeah, it was just for fun. Like I, it wasn't to even. I, I wasn't even thinking about selling anything. I just wanted to go there and be the average showgoer. Like it's like you have people that go to concerts. They're like, oh yeah, we just want to go hang out the concert, rah rah rah, have a good time, and then they leave. And then you have people that eventually get so obsessed with the concert. They're like, they start thinking more into in depth of it. They're like, oh, how does how do all these speakers? like get set up like oh i think i would like to set the the stages up for these concerts or i want to be that person that's on the stage singing uh, so it is some people uh, probably 1 to 5% get inspired to do these other things so but initially back then i don't know it was probably 10 12 years ago maybe 13 or 14 uh when i was just going it was just to be going just for fun but now i know that was very slowly starting to pave the road for down for sound to eventually like be built. Hmm. So that's, that's how it, but again, I didn't, I didn't have any idea that it was going to be what it is today. Uh, I I just wanted to go to shows because it was fun. (laughs) At that point in time, um, were were you, what, what year do you think it was, was, was there social media? Were you also maintaining like a social media profile? Were you on forums? Was it the, the time of online forums? Were you were you essentially taking your interest um, from trade shows and with friends online, and, and how did it look like? Yeah, so the the big thing back then, there was this thing called MySpace. Oh yeah, 
I remember that one. <laughs> so the, the, some of your followers or listeners might not know what that was. It's been not. a while ago. Uh, so that it was MySpace at first, but it was in the transitioning days to more, where more people were starting to transition off of MySpace into Facebook. Uh, but even neither one of them were that popular. The most popular thing was people uh, having forums online, basically uh, Facebook just on a certain website where people would post their statuses in these different rooms or different sections of the website and people hung out on forums and if you were doing like say a different uh, modification to your your vehicle you could post a little title and post pictures and people would go on there and comment like that but the after a couple of years that that turned into more people started posting, uh, like Facebook started to grow like crazy. So more people just started posting it on their Facebook pages. And then people started making Facebook pages for bass heads or car audio fanatics. Mm -hmm. So people just started posting about it on there. So that's kind of how it started with the different uh, things there. Super, super interesting. And, and so let's talk about the beginning, you know, the the initial, the, the initial time. So how did you sell your first, you know, um, 100 or 1,000? Your first, how did you get your first 1,000 customers? Um, first, <laughs> the first 100, I mean, the first one is the most difficult, I would say, because one, you don't know what you're doing. You're you're like, okay, I need to buy this for this. The first thing that I ever sold on Down for Sound was when I was going to these shows and people started noticing that I was getting bigger and bigger, they wanted to they would ask me like, do you have any shirts or any apparel or like stickers or some sort of merchandise that they could buy to support you? Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, I don't have any t-shirts or uh, any stickers or anything like that. But so that kind of sparked the idea in my head, like, okay, maybe I need to have some t-shirts. Uh, so I'm like, okay, I'll go get some t-shirts made. So, um, but I, I didn't even know the name down for a sound at that point. Like, well, what am I going to put on the t-shirt? Like, <laughs> I don't even know what to put on the t-shirt. So, Anyway, uh, I post on, I think it was a forum I post. Um, hey, I want to, no, it was on Facebook. I'm thinking about starting a car audio brand or a company or something. What's some cool names that people can think of? Uh, like, I think these five different ones are cool. But if you have a, an idea, post it in the comments. Uh, but anyway, we ended up coming with the name Down for Sound. And I'm like, man, that has a really good ring to it, Down for Sound. Like, it flows off the tongue good. Like, it just it has a good jingle. So I'm like, okay, we'll go with that. So um, I'll put Down for Sound on the T-shirt. And so that's how I started it. And uh, or that's how I came up with the name. And eventually I went to uh, the like a local T-shirt store. Like, hey, I want to get some T-shirts made with Down for Sound on it. And they're like, okay, what size? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, So I'm like, what if... And they also say, oh, there's a minimum of 30 T-shirts. I'm like, 30 T-shirts? I haven't even sold one. Like, I don't even know what the person... Who knows what the next size of person is going to be that has for a T-shirt? I'm like, oh my gosh, what What if I can't sell these T-shirts? I'm going to be stuck with them and I don't know what to do with them. And, and then I'll waste all this money. So there was that fear of buying the wrong size t-shirts or what if I couldn't sell them? I would be wasting all this money. I'm going to go broke. But at that point, like the younger you are, you can go broke over and over and over and figure it out. And then like you eventually figure it out. Um, anyway, so that's when I went to the next show uh, and a person, and I was also fearful of selling people stuff. Like I didn't even want to tell people that I had shirts for sale. Mm. Uh, I'm like, I'm only going, cause I, for whatever reason, I thought it was embarrassing. 
to sell somebody something. I was, right. I was, I was just in, so fearful of that. So uh, I, I'm like, okay, I'll take these to the show, and which I took in a trash bag. I put all of the shirts that I had, the 30 shirts that I ended up buying, into a trash bag, and that's how I transported them. Because I'm like, I'm not buying a plastic tote that costs money. I can get a trash bag out of my parents' like uh, pantry for free. So Fair I enough. put them in a trash bag. So I take them to the show, and I'm like, I'm only going to, I'm only going to sell a person this if they ask for it. So that show I went to, I think two people asked if I had T-shirts. I'm like, yeah, I have T-shirts. Uh, and they're like, how much? And I'm like, I don't know. Do I sell it to them for the same thing that I paid for it to just start the name? Or do I like make a little bit of profit? And I think I... And because... And so at that time, I was only ordering 30 T-shirts. So obviously, the price of the T-shirt is a lot higher than if you order 500 T-shirts. Mm-hmm. So I think I was paying... I don't know, $14 for this shirt. I'm like, $20? And they're like, okay, here you go. And I'm like, oh, that was kind of easy. Like, mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, I just made $6 and I didn't really even do anything. Like, I just gave them this and they gave me the the money for it. Okay. So, but I still wasn't telling anybody that I was selling anything because I thought it was embarrassing. But it started, my my mind started turning to like where it was making sense, like what was happening. So those first few customers, that's how they happened. And the further that we got down the road and the snowball kept going, like, okay, I need to start, if I want to make more money, I need to start telling people that I have the shirts for sale. So I would just, I, but I wouldn't tell online. I, only when I went to shows, when somebody would get in my vehicle and listen to it, like, hey, I got some t-shirts and stickers. If you want to oh, grab gosh. some to support me, uh, I'd really appreciate it. Okay, here. Okay, here. Like almost every person that got in there, like I sold out all my t-shirts the time that I I decided to start telling people that I had these items for sale. Okay, cool, here. I'm like, man, I left there with like $500 in my pocket. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. This is like, how did that happen? Because at that time I was working all week to make $300. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, that's how it kind of got started on my first sales were that way through word of mouth or me starting to tell people when they got in my vehicle. Uh, so definitely so, if you have a product or service, like you need to be vocal about it. You need to yeah. let people know because if you don't, how are they supposed to know? That That is the takeaway for sure. And it was in person and you'd, you'd crafted a story. There was a bit of reciprocity there where you'd, you'd, you'd show them the experience. They appreciated that experience and the timing was right. You said, hey, you know, um, support me. You know, I'm doing this. I've, I've put all this together. You'd not get this experience anywhere else. Support me. And, and they did. So how yeah. did that transition from apparel selling move to, 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 to actual products, actual audio products? Um, I guess by that time, you know, people know, known you around the circuit. Um, mm-hmm. Were they asking you or did you you know, why, how did you, how did you even sell to them? Did you, was, was it in person initially? And then, you know, on the website? Right. So, uh, initially, like I said, uh, like I wasn't telling anybody that I sold, uh, t-shirts or stickers. And at that time I didn't even sell, I didn't even think I was going to be selling car audio, um, like the amplifiers, speakers, subwoofers and stuff like that, because, I thought you had to have some sort of degree to do this. I thought you had to go to college for business to be a business owner. Like I thought all these things. So, um, but the more that I went to shows and I 
told people about the t-shirts and the stickers, they eventually started asking, like, where do you get your equipment from? And at that time, I'm like, oh, just whatever company I was running, I'm like, oh, you just go to their website or contact them and they'll get you set up with some equipment, like whatever you're looking for. So I just kept, because I was like partially sponsored by these companies. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I might've got like a 20% discount or something like that. So a person sponsors you because they want you to tell people about them so they can get their ROI is you telling people to purchase from them so they make their money back off of giving you your discount. Mm -hmm. So I was telling people like, oh, you go to Sundown Audio, whatever company. I was telling them to go there and purchase or call them and purchase. And then the same way with the t-shirts, people asking me, do you have any t-shirts or stickers for sale after five or six times, people asking me, hey, where do you get your amplifiers from? Or where do you get your speakers from? That fifth or sixth time, the person asked me that, the light bulb went off in my head. Like, I could be selling these people this stuff. Like, I could be offering this. They have a need, and I could be filling it. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to figure it out. So uh, the products that I was running at that time, I'm like, well, maybe I'll just send them a message. I'll hit them up, ask them, how do you become a dealer or how do you go about selling stuff? So I messaged them and they're like, oh yeah, you have to like set up a dealer account. It's a, I don't know, $5,000 buy-in. And I'm like, $5,000? I don't have $5,000. How do you, how do you do that? So anyway, that's how it kind of got started. People were asking, just like the t-shirts, they were asking for the equipment side. I'm like, okay, I could, I can start selling these people this stuff. And that's, that's where the little snowball started and it turned into a monstrous snowball that it is now. Incredible. So, uh, yeah. Incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. And then um, you, your fiance was was in um, Las Vegas, Nevada, I believe. And um, when did you make the move from from Mississippi to, 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 to Las Vegas? And how has Las Vegas sort of changed, you know, running a, an e-commerce business? Yeah, uh, so... A little bit of a backstory on that too. I was what a lot of people call a failure to launch. Uh, there's a there's a mm. movie called that, and uh, it's, it talks about a guy that lived with his parents forever and would never move out. I was that guy. I stayed with my parents because, for two reasons. One reason is because I love my parents a lot, and I never really had any arguments with them. And my dad worked out of town a lot. So I'm like, I could stay here and like help my mom around the house, keep the yard cut. Like it'd be a mutually beneficial. I could save money because I wouldn't have to spend as much in rent. I was paying them a little bit of rent. Uh, so it's, it's a win win. Like we're, it's, it's all good. Um, so, but that also brought along comfort. Like when you're in when you're in a comfort bubble, it's almost like having a nine to five job. Like you have that comfortable income. You, you know, every week you're going to get paid. It's the same thing. I was there. I was comfortable. I'm like, why would I want to leave here? Like everything's good. You know, like I'm cool with this mediocrity that I have going on. Um, but anyway, I ended up meeting my fiance, uh, Jessica through Instagram, believe it or not. (laughs) So, uh, we met and I ended up, I was going to Vegas for a car audio convention that like that was going on. And I ended up, I didn't even know she lived in Las Vegas and it was a total fluke that I found out that she lived in Las Vegas while I was in Las Vegas. One time she was like checking into a place called LVAC. It's a gym. And I found out it's called Las Vegas Athletic Club. I'm like, are you in Las Vegas? She said, yeah. So the rest is kind of history. Uh, but that's how we uh, ended up meeting. And the the further that things got, we started to fall more in love. And we ended up like taking things more serious. And 
I'm like, okay, she was she was out of a prior relationship and she had a daughter and I didn't really have anything that was tying me to Mississippi other than my parents and some like my sisters. Um, but I'm like, I can't ask her to move to Mississippi. One, moving from Las Vegas to Mississippi, that part of Mississippi, you're uh, opportunities go way down, like mm. of what you can do and what you can, I, I guess, achieve go way down because like Las Vegas is like a million people and a, a million different businesses going on. So there's tons of places to work. There's tons of different things to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I can't realistically say, hey, if you want to be with me, you need to move to Mississippi. So that's when I made the decision that I would be moving to Las Vegas. So I did, and it ended up being the the greatest thing that's happened because it really pushed me out of my comfort zone. I moved yeah. to a place that I had never lived before. I didn't know anybody. I like I, I'm not gonna lie. I was scared, like uh, because one before. It's <laughs> so another thing. Um, I had this great plan. I had been working at this place, um, pumping gas at, at airport, at an airport, uh, into airplanes. And, um, I had this, I had built up, yeah, it was like 10 years. So I had like three years of vacation time. So I had this grand plan of like, okay, I'm going to finish working this year. And when the year starts over and I get my three weeks of vacation, I'm going to use all that vacation time to move everything to Las Vegas. And then I'll tell my boss that I'm quitting that I'm not coming back. So I'm like, this will be the great plan. Well, um, in July, July or August, uh, I end up getting fired Ooh. from, yeah. So imagine how that will derail your plans in life of you going from your source of income, your main source of income to nothing. So I'm like, I'm so then I'm scared. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. That ended up doing two things for me. It it made me take down for sound way more seriously. And it also made me start going seven times harder for down for sound because I'm like, I, my back was up against the wall. You basically got, you hear about the people saying the bird, you get pushed all out of the nest and you, you better start flapping your wings or figuring out how to build an airplane on the way You're down full. unless you, if you don't want to crash. Mm-hmm. So that's basically... It, what it did but at the time i was so scared and i was so mad that like this happened to me uh, i was almost i was playing the victim mentality for a little while i'm like i'm too good of a guy for this to happen to me whatever so but it ended up being a blessing in disguise and pushed me into like okay i can make this happen i just i just got to figure it out so i ended up uh moving to las vegas and um even when i moved out here I was looking for a job at an airport to to be my source of income to make me comfortable again. I wanted that nine to five because I didn't know if down for sound was going to work is really in its infancy stages. So I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work. This is, this could be, <laughs> this could be really bad. So I, I'm like, I'm this guy that's moving in with his girlfriend at the time and she has a job and I don't even have a job. I'm a bum, basically. Like, uh, like I'm this guy, this, like, I'd be homeless if it wasn't for oh, her. With a passion, here. though. With, with a deep yeah. passion, yeah. With a dream. <laughs> with a dream. For for sure. But, man, you know, there's a lot of women out there <laughs> with guys, with, the, with these dreams and, like, and they don't go anywhere. Um, I know, I so, know. 
Um, but anyway, so I move out here and, um, another thing, like I never got a call. Like I just knew that I had 10 years of experience in this, um, filling up airplanes with fuel and like in the aviation industry, I just knew that I would be getting a call. I'm like, this guy, like other people are applying for the job and they don't have any experience. I'm like, I got 10 years of experience. I literally just quit doing this. Hire me on. And I'm like, oh, these people will be calling. A week goes by, two weeks goes by, no calls. A month goes by, no calls. I'm like, man, this is rough. Like, cause I also wasn't making that much money, obviously. So anyway, that pushed me. And again, it was a little nudge to make me take down for sound even serious, even more serious uh, because of that reason. I'd, I've never wanted to be a person that mooched off of somebody or or the system or anything like that. I always wanted yeah. to bring value and, and, and work for stuff. Uh, so, um, but that's how it, it got started. And that's how I transitioned into moving to Las Vegas. And it's, it's been uh, moving away from all the comfort, all the, everything I've ever known, the people I've known, the community, the town, knowing all the streets from everything. Like, you know, every, everybody, when you live in a town of 15,000 people, you know, everybody, you know, the color of their socks, you know, (laughs) like there's no secrets, like it's everywhere. So, but when you get picked out of there and you get dumped into a city of a million people, yeah, it's a totally different atmosphere, and like, and and you don't know anybody. If you have a problem, like, who are you gonna call? You don't know anybody. You can't yeah. call anybody besides your fiance. And yeah. like, is she gonna help you change a flat on the side of the road, or or like work on your truck? Of course not. So, anyway, that pushed me even harder to like do even better and and work even harder to like make down for sound be a better thing for uh, me and my family. So when did you officially, when did you officially know, figure out that, okay, down for sound is, is, is the thing it's, is, 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 is my, you know, my, is my focus. Um, what, what metrics did you see that like, okay, yeah, this is, this is it. So it was probably after I moved out here and Mm -hmm. three to six months. So that's probably been like five and a half years ago, maybe six years ago, Mm um, where I'm like, okay, this is it's starting to make sense. Like I'm starting to make a little bit of money. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to die. Like I'm going to be okay. And it started making sense and like on paper and in my head that I needed to keep pushing this. Uh, so it did. But before that, like I said, I was hoping that I would have like somebody else hire me. I was hoping like that I could get an easy source of income to mm-hmm. make me comfortable. And and I was still going to try to continue growing down for sound, but who knows if I would have got a job and like, okay, like we're starting you out at a, a high rate of money. Then I may have been like, Oh, well, I don't need down for sound anymore. Like that's too much work because being an entrepreneur starting a business, like the, the first few years is the most difficult. So at that time with the difficulty being super high and the return being super low, that could have, if I got hired at a, like a nice salary, I could have been like, Oh, I don't, man, forget this down for sound stuff. Like I got, yeah. like, I'll just go work over here and make a good living, work my eight to five or whatever and, and be good. But Luckily, I never got that phone call from any of those places that I applied for. And it made me realize that I needed to keep pushing down for sound. And after about six months, I was like, okay, this is this is gonna be it. Like I, I can make this work and I can keep being consistent. And the the more I was consistent, the more it continued to grow and like snowballed and the 
now we're here. Let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly 500 billion by 2025. As a fast-growing area in commerce, subscriptions hold tremendous opportunities to build a community of customers who share your values. Recharge is the leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale subscription offerings. Recharge powers the growth of over 15,000 subscription merchants and their communities, turning one-time transactions into long-term customer relationships. Whether you're a direct-to-consumer business or an omni-channel brand, subscriptions strengthen their brand relationships with your customers and make it easy for customers to make repeat purchases. With subscriptions, merchants are able to experience predictable revenue, increased customer loyalty, and higher average order values. Turn transactions into relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Get started today with a subscription payment solution trusted by over 50 million subscribers worldwide by heading over to rechargepayments.com forward slash 2x. That is rechargepayments.com forward slash 2x. Did you know that loyal customers are nine times more likely to convert compared to a first-time shopper? That's why exceptional customer service is so important for your retention and growth. I recommend using Gorgeous, the leading help desk for Shopify, Magento, and big commerce merchants. Gorgeous combines all your communication channels, including email, SMS, social media, live chat, and phone into one platform. This saves your team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. It also integrates seamlessly with your existing tech stack so you can access customer information and even edit, return, refund, or create an order right from your help desk. To learn more, go to gorgeous.com. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S.com and mention 2X e-commerce podcast for two months free. That is gorgeous.com for two months free. Just mention 2X e-commerce. Amazing. So looking at your your, your skill set, right? Um, consistency, discipline, you know, those are like pillars. Looking at your skill sets, what, what do you think has been the major reason for your success? I mean, five years ago, you were zero. In 2022, you're at 20 million in revenue and you're profitable. You're doing well. You're thriving. You're a national brand. Um, you have 500,000 YouTube followers. You have over 100,000 Instagram followers. You're, 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 a, you're a star in your own right, you know, in, 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 dig, in the social space. So what do you think has been the one skill set you, you apply to, to actually growing this brand that you're hugely passionate about? Yeah, well, you said it right there, like being passionate about the thing that you're doing, it, it makes it easier because there's a cliche saying, if you do what you love, you never have to work a day in your life. And I heard it for the longest time, like, what I mean, you hear it, but you don't. It doesn't hit you because you don't really know what they're trying to say. But once you do get 
to do something that you really love to do and you're like, man, I'm making a lot of money doing this. This is fun. Like this yeah. is this is awesome because so many people get into something that they don't really enjoy. They they're just they have to make a living. So they put up with whatever they have to put up with just to make a living to yeah. continue growing or keeping a roof over their head and food on the table. Yeah. So um the that being passionate about it and the consistency because again, I'm not the smartest person out there by any means. Like I would say I have average when it comes to smarts. And some people that I get interviewed by say, don't say that about yourself. I'm like, I'm just being honest, man. Like I, I wasn't anything special in grade school or any type of schooling. Uh, I was just average. Uh, but the which thing- is, which is okay. It's, it's okay. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's okay. It's EQ that, that really matters. And that's what I want to, that's what I want people to get is like, you don't have to be brilliant to become a multimillionaire or to do $20 million a year in revenue or whatever Mm -hmm. it may be. You you don't have to be brilliant or go to college for it. You can. So what I did was I did one, you find, if you can find a mentor, that is huge. You can learn so much from them. Uh, and it's harder to get a mentor now, a good mentor. There's a lot of people out there claiming to be mentors and they haven't done anything in their life. Like they're just like, oh yeah, I'll be your mentor, but I haven't grown any type of business. Like they just read somebody else's course and they're trying to say that they know all these things. Um, but anyway, find a person that has been in your space and has basically been there and done it. Because if you do, that can speed up your process or you figuring things out or your business so much. And it can also save you millions of dollars in them sharing just the smallest amount of uh, information with you. So So, so who who was your mentor? uh, A guy named Scotty Johnson, uh, the owner of a company called Excess Power Batteries. Um, He was one of the companies that I started selling their products for first. was my mentor, my initial one. And I got a couple of other ones, but I I have a great relationship with him. I still to this day, we have a great friendship. He was just in town last weekend for a trade show and we hung out and it's always a good time, but he's been a huge uh, mentor of mine and helped point me in the right direction. And just sharing this information with me that I didn't know um, before getting started in business. Um, But the thing about mentors these days is so many people don't want to do mentorship because you have so many time wasters out there. If you, because everybody claims that they want to learn how to run their own business or they want to learn how to do or be an entrepreneur or, or get into business. So if you say you go to a, person, a successful business owner, or like, hey, can you tell me how to start a business? And like, what, like all these things. You're like, okay, I'll take time, like, because uh, I want somebody else to be successful. And you take, I don't know, hours and hours and hours of trying to teach these people the ways to get started and to do these things. And the next thing you know, they they never do anything with it. You just spent all this time sharing with them, and it basically went in one ear and out the other. You're like man, I, I really just wasted all my time trying to help you and you didn't use it at all. So uh, that makes it hard for after that happens to business owners or entrepreneurs a couple of times. They're like, I'm not doing that anymore. Uh, I'm the one with all the information. I'm the one with all the success. Like, why do I need to for you to be wasting my time? So after a, a few times people are doing it, they're like, I'm not going to do that anymore because I don't want my time wasted. So I always tried to, with Scotty, I always tried to make it where... Basically, I 
there's a funny uh, saying like that he's my second dad. Like I always wanted to make dad proud. Like I wanted to be that guy that didn't waste his time, that listened to him, that took his knowledge and applied it and became ultra successful um, because of it. Like it it was uh, definitely helped me with that. And, but uh, so that, that's been the thing, like having a mentor and the consistency thing. I I know I Mm -hmm. harp on that a lot, but I've seen so many people come and go mm-hmm. in the business space, not just core audio, but different business spaces uh, that is, is they just, they'll start to, they'll work hard for a little bit, but after six months they get burned out or they just don't like it anymore. They just got into the space just to make some money and then mm-hmm. they, they're not making any money or they're not making what they thought they should be. So they quit. And I'm like, that's your your huge breakthrough is usually right on the other side of your biggest obstacle. Like when you when you decide to quit, like your huge breakthrough was right on the other side of that. So anyway, I've always continued to push and to go to the next level. Interesting. Would you say Down for Sound is a YouTube e-commerce, YouTube powered e-commerce business? Uh, definitely, it's a huge help to, mm-hmm. uh, especially starting down for sound. It was a massive uh, shot in the arm, as people call it, to get it started because uh, it gave me this huge audience of people to like I- interact with and engage with, and like being able to do that, and people feel like they know you on a personable level before you even start trying to sell them something you is massive. Like I can't tell people how huge that is. And if they have a business or are thinking about starting a business, definitely need to have like online outlets for it, whether it's for like a landing page for people to figure out what your business does, or if you can sell products and ship them, like they need to be able to order it there. And obviously if you're, uh, you have a storefront first, you are selling there, but if you, that's just another source of income for your business. If you have an online source for it and they need to be able to contact you about things or purchases or different products you might not have listed, stuff like that. So uh, YouTube and all the other social media outlets. And all the other social media. But but where do you, which of the social media um, platforms do you invest the most amount of time and resources on? Um, YouTube, like to date, has been the most popular one uh, that we've invested the most amount of time in. Uh, But uh, now Facebook, like we do Facebook live videos and they Mm. get a a really good amount of engagement. And we also started, I mean, years ago, I started giving back to the, the community that, so we do giveaways on Facebook. So I'll start a YouTube video like, Hey, we got a new product. Uh, come check it out. Oh, by the way, I'm giving one away. If you want to enter into this giveaway and anybody can do this. Um, you, it, it's difficult for some people because they don't want to be on camera. And mm-hmm. uh, I also tell people that they need to get on camera. The more you do something, the more comfortable you're going to get at it, obviously. But the first time you get on camera, you're going to suck. Like there's no, and I did too, and I'm still not perfect at it. And I get stuck on words and I say, uh, a lot. And, but I'm just, people know that you're being genuine. They know you're, you're just another person like them. And when they see you mess up and you laugh at yourself and you're like, man, I just can't get this right. And you start laughing at yourself. Everybody's like, man, it's cool to see that you're a real human being. You're not just scripted. And so they, they have even more of a connection with you seeing you get started in my opinion. Um, so 
with getting, so people definitely need to have their social media stuff going and do like a live video. If you, I don't know, I don't know why I keep going to plumbing for some reason. Like if you're a plumber, <laughs> like go to uh, start a start your page, and the first time you go live, you may have one person watching you. Maybe if you're lucky, you'll have one person watching you or watch your video. But that's one person that wouldn't have ever seen that. And what mm. if that one person's like, oh, I could use that like, I don't know, plunger that he's talking about. That thing's awesome. I'll buy one. So just you doing that one thing or that one video made it where they like now know about you. And if they comment on it, then it'll pop up in like other people's news feeds and stuff like that. Yeah. Facebook will start distributing it. So, but if you never make that video, if you never do that, there's it's never going to be a possibility to, you never know. It could be a viral video. You're talking yeah. about a plunger. Like you do something funny and people want to share it with all their friends. So they find out about you about that. So like they talk about getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that's what it is. Like when you're first starting, you are so uncomfortable about it and you're stuttering and you're you're like, I hate this. But after you do it 20 times, it's just like doing something else 20 times. You're like, oh, I know how to do this. Like I remember this. Like it becomes second nature. So uh, we started doing these giveaways and giving back to the community. And the way that we get people to engage and interact more is we'll talk about their product and we'll tell them if you want to enter into this giveaway, it's no purchase necessary. But you have to share this video publicly. You have to come back here, like the video, and comment um, like that you shared the video. And right. so it takes you five seconds of work, like quote unquote work, but you're entered to win this $500 amplifier for absolutely free for no purchase necessary. So we've got a ton of engagement with doing that because people see the 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 uh, the potential upside for them is massive. They can win a $500 amplifier for taking five seconds for basically five seconds of work so this has been an awesome thing that we've implemented um and we have done great with that so super super interesting super interesting your youtube channel has amassed over 186 million views now there's some entrepreneurs listening to to this right now um who've been sort of um you know shuffling their feet hesitating Mm -hmm. um about wanting to get on YouTube. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. Um, they Do they sell, sell, sell? Do they, are they helpful? What's, what's been your approach? What's, what's your formula? What's your secret formula? You know, because, you know, be, be, you know, the, there's a fine line between, um, you know, being a creator or a publisher and, you know, selling stuff. So how have you sort of merged that creator bit with 500,000 plus subscribers and um, the selling bids, which is really growing down for sounds through YouTube. Yeah, there's definitely a fine line there, and and I've I've learned a lot, and I, I definitely haven't been perfect in the way that uh, my approach has been. But that's that's entrepreneurship, like you're figuring things out along the way, and you make you, I make mistakes every day, but I always try to learn from them and become better. Uh, so when I first started my YouTube channel, obviously I was just sharing content on there that um, was from the shows that I was going to and I didn't have anything to sell. So more people wanted to follow that. They're like, oh, this is just guy sharing what he's doing in life. And I think it's interesting. So sure, I'll subscribe. But as time went on and we started selling more products, I started making, I'm like, oh, I can sell a lot more stuff if I keep making videos about the stuff that I sell. But the problem is when a person feels like you're only trying to sell them stuff 
they're eventually it's going to turn them off. They're going to run away mm-hmm. from you because they're like, you're like, okay, you sold me a couple of times, but I'm sick of buying stuff from you. So like, or I don't have any more money. So what, what am I supposed to do? I don't like just watching product unboxing videos. So anyway, I ended up, um, I guess I was talking about this, but uh, my as Down for Sound continued to grow, like it was on an upward trajectory, I was spending more time with that. And for a while, my YouTube started to slide or backslide. It was going on a, it was a downward trajectory because of like me spending, one, spending so much time on Down for Sound and growing Down for Sound because the revenue generator was way better than the YouTube revenue. Um, but secondly, when I started putting a bunch of, ad or a bunch of product videos up there, it was turning a lot of people off. So my engagement on the videos was starting to go way down as well. So my view rate started to go down and I'm still paying for paying the repercussions for putting too many product videos out there uh, and trying to sell people so many because even in our off season when there's no car audio shows or uh, and, and or there's no... Um, Thing, nothing to do with my vehicle. My vehicle usually stays in the Southeast in the United States and I live in the Southwest area. So uh, I don't have the vehicle to do any cool videos with. It's like a double whammy. I'm not putting out any, I don't have any good content to put out and I'm putting the content that I do put out is selling stuff. So it's like a double bad thing in a way. I mean, mm. some people are appreciative of it and they like it, but it's a way smaller amount than the, people that just like the cool videos of like playing my system or going through like people like when I take my big, my vehicle, which has like a 150,000 watt system in it. It has over a hundred uh, speakers in it, nine, 18 inch subwoofers. Is, is, so is, is it called Neo hole? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. There's so a 2 um, million view video, you driving through Las Vegas, you're, you're like terrorizing Las Vegas with my new home. That's what, pe- yeah, that's what people like. They just like those, <laughs> those type of videos. And the other ones are like, you take the vehicle and you go through a drive through of Wendy's or Burger King or McDonald's or something right. like that and play it. And the workers go crazy and everybody inside goes crazy. And that's, that's what they like to see as see, far yeah. as views. Entertainment. Yeah. yeah they want to be entertained. Right. Right, yep, right, right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it's Us. that fine balance of educating and then entertaining them. What, what do you think is a ratio? Is it like four to one, you know, four entertainment videos or how, how do you... Say, it's probably 10 to one. 10 <laughs> like, to one, wow. Yeah, because if, um, if you go back and look like, well, I can tell you the... Tr- like we would average a, a lot of, I mean, a hundred thousand plus YouTube, I mean, uh, views on YouTube for the majority of the videos. And now mm-hmm. it's, it's not anywhere near that, but, but I know why. I, and we just talked about it. That's why that's the price that I paid. I kind of, I turned people off for a while because I was doing too many videos of products and just trying to sell people stuff. So it turned people off. So my, my views per video went down. So now I have to work again in engaging people like, okay, he has good videos where he's going to shows again. He's not just trying to sell us all the time. But once you turn people off, it's hard to turn them back on to like, to trust you that you're not just going to be trying to sell them all the time. So I'm trying to be a little more, um, 
subtle about yep. me uh, selling stuff. I mean, we, we put like a little ad at the beginning or the end of the video, like, hey, if you need any core audio, hit up down for soundshop.com. Uh, but yep. not not like, here's a speaker, here's the functions. Like you talk yeah. about a speaker for yeah. five minutes Features <clears throat> quite robotic, quite robotic. Right. Okay, so you, you're running big commerce, um, doing pretty well. Are you... What does your team look like internally at this point in time? Do you work with agencies? Are you serious with things like SEO? Do you buy media on Facebook? What what does your what how does growing the business, you know, really look like and your team? Uh yeah, I mean a team is everything. And that's what I was saying uh initially as well. When I first got started, I was I was really selfish in a way because I'm like, I'm gonna do all the the social media posts. I'm going to make all my own videos. I'm going to order all the products we're going to sell. I'm going to store all the products. I'm going to ship all the products. Like I'm going to do everything myself because I'm not going to make any mistakes. <laughs> I'm going to make all the money. And it's, it's basically me, me, me. Like I'm just just selfish at the time. And the the further it, it, it went along, I, what did I start doing? I started making mistakes. Man, how am I making mistakes? Because everybody makes mistakes. It's just it's being human. And uh, the other thing is... You, what did your mentor say when when you were at that phase? Yeah, that was... A, oh, he was like, you need to get help. You need to get team members. And I'm like, no, like I, I got it figured out. I'm a hard worker. I'm consistent. Like I can keep... I can work, 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 work. And, and I'll figure it out. And I was wrong. And that... But it took me time to figure out that I was wrong and that this you can only being a single person they call it like solopreneurship like being a, a one one person one man band you can only do so much uh, being one person and it's that that's basically it you can say you can as one person how much revenue how many shipments how, what can you if you worked every hour and didn't sleep of the day uh you how much money could you physically make by yourself it's a mirage maybe two two million dollars like yeah. i mean in in gross revenue and actually yeah. make it happen like so if you ever wanted to get past that you have to duplicate yourself or or three times, four times, five times, like continually grow your team. Yeah. So I started uh, doing that. Uh, I, I started getting different team members. And uh, basically you find people that you start rep getting people to do the tasks that you don't like to do the most or you're not that good at. Or So, um, and even if you do like it at the time, how much of your time is it consuming? So uh, as far as SEO and everything like that, I was doing that or I was attempting to, but I ended up uh, getting a guy uh, on my team. I, he actually came to my office and was like, hey, I see what you're doing. I think I could help you a ton. I'm like, yeah, I've, I've heard a bunch of you. Like uh, people hit me up all the time saying they're social media experts and SEO experts, blah, blah, blah. He's like, no, I'll, uh, I'll work for you for free for either a month or two months. And you can look at the results. And uh, if I don't bring you any type of like, like win, basically, then no strings attached. Like we'll go our separate ways. I'm like, okay. So he did. And I saw the return and the rest is kind of history. And he, like I sent him to school to, or he goes to these um, different courses and everything yeah yeah conferences to make sure he's like on the latest and greatest on the up and up on all the different changes because i mean we know google and all these 
pages are always changing their analytics and what they look for. And like, the, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, so anyway, he does that. He like, that's, that's his thing. And he, he kills it to the point of initially, I'm like, I'm not spending any money in advertisement because I have such a good organic reach. And mm-hmm. he's like, well, let's spend a little bit. Let's see what the return comes back as. So that started and he showed me the return. Like, okay, that makes sense. So last year, I mean, we went from not spending any money in advertising to last year between, I think, Facebook, Google, and um, Instagram, like all these different uh, pages. We ended up spending, I think, $350,000 in ads. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's a, a lot of money. (laughs) <laughs> like I have to know the other number. What ended up coming back from that? Three point six million. Three point six million. And yeah, yeah. So, uh, but not everybody, and I would say most people don't get anywhere close to that. But yeah. you, if you, it's all about the knowledge. Like if you, and that's why I'm like, yeah, I'll pay for you to go to these conferences and learn the latest and greatest information, so we can get good returns on it. So it's all about investing in yourself and your, like, as you continue to grow, you invest into your team members as well, because that's an extension of yourself. So yeah. anyway, yeah. Uh, definitely very important. Uh, it's a huge help to do paid advertising if you yeah. if you know how to do it properly if not exactly. like you can waste a lot of money like yeah. you could spend that 350 and maybe get 400 back or maybe not even get your 300 back do, do you sell only on your big commerce website your your direct consumer or do you also have like a, a presence on other platforms or marketplaces such as amazon uh, currently, we do only sell on um, my big commerce website, but we are in the works of uh, having a, a feed to other places such as eBay, Amazon, Walmart, okay. Jet.com, like all these other things. So that's in the in the pipe as well. A lot of, but again, we're I'm constantly learning. We're constantly expanding, trying to become better. But I don't want to. I tell them I'm like I don't want to get into a space and be okay at it like uh if i just uh, at first uh, initially i want us to dominate what we're doing right now mm-hmm. and then we can like jump into these other little uh categories i mean amazon and ebay they're not little but this <laughs> is is down for sound what's dump for sounds positioning in in the united states you know in, in terms of like you know um car audio e-commerce sites is is it is it is it like a top top? Um, what's your what's your positioning in in the U.S.? Uh, it's been the fastest growing car audio distribution, to my knowledge, in the history mm-hmm. of car audio. Like nobody wow. else has ever. There's a lot bigger companies out there, but they've been doing it for eighty yes. years. Like yeah. so, to grow like how we have in such a short amount of time is unheard of. I talked to some people that own these other companies that have been doing it for a, a long time. Some of them do a, a lot more revenue than we do. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of them have been doing it um, a lot longer than us and don't do a tenth of the revenue we do. So that that <laughs> some of them have a lot of respect for me. Some of them mm-hmm. 
hate me a lot because they're like, who's this guy thinking he <laughs> why is? Why you like, taking, in, <laughs> take my yeah. lunch? <laughs> yeah. Like, why are you going to come in here and dominate this place and like, and just blow up? Like, and we've been trying to do this for 30 years and haven't been able to uh, right. like get over a million dollars a year in sales. And you come in in five years and are hitting $20 million a year in sales. Yeah. Uh, so, so again, it's, it's all in perspective, like how people it look is. at it. Yes, yes. And then, um, from from a do, do you plan to to run like to do, do you have a private label do you have any private label products um that are like from down for sound yes uh so for the longest time up until i don't know two ish years ago we only sold other brands of products mm-hmm. and uh then we had um something happened with one of the vendors that we were selling for. We were selling a lot of their product and they had this particular amplifier. We sold, like it sold like hotcakes, like as the the saying goes, like we were just selling them like crazy. And um, one day they're like, oh, we can't sell you those anymore. I'm like, what? Like, and they're like, oh, we don't have enough to sell you. We have to have enough to sell ourselves." And I'm like, so what do you do right here? So... I decided to come out with our own version of that amplifier. So I contacted the factory and we made a lot of changes and made it different from anything else on the market and introduced the product as a down for sound JP 23 amplifier. So uh, we introduced that as our first product and it took off and I'm like, this is awesome. Very cool. So uh, that's where the snowball started. And now we have probably 15 different amplifiers, uh, about 15 different, uh, speakers, we have batteries. We so we've just we're blowing up this thing into this massive. Base, I don't have you ever read the book called Blitz Scaling? Yes. Yeah. So that that's happening. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't. Unfortunately, I didn't read the book until a couple of months ago. But <laughs> I, I had seen that I'm kind of I was already on the trajectory, but I yes. was taking too long to to roll it out. So to, to now I'm get- like. I'm like, let's do this and this and this and this and this. So that we're blitz scaling right now. No, amazing, amazing. And that is the value. That that is your value because you're vertically integrated now. You're, you know, essentially selling your own brand um and you're controlling, you know, your your supply chain. Um phenomenal, phenomenal story. Phenomenal, phenomenal story. So is your supply chain um China? Do you get most of your things from from Asia or um do you have local suppliers? What what does it look like? Uh, I would say probably 80% from China. It's, it's pretty heavily based in China. Uh, we do get some from Korea, some Vietnam, uh, We and then a small amount from here in the United States. It's just mm-hmm. uh, so a lot of people here is another funny thing. They're like, oh, I want USA made everything. Like, okay, that's going to be four times as expensive. Do you still want it? Oh, no, never mind. <laughs> so like, uh, but you, anyway. Have you been to China? Uh, not saying? yet. Uh, I actually had a person from China or a couple visit me come when, uh, yeah, come over like last week because we had that big conference uh, or okay. uh, show trade show last uh, week. So a couple of them came by because, and that's something that's crazy as well. Like we almost every day we're having international orders. Like we have mm-hmm. Netherlands, like Australia, like all. I'm like, man, this. It blows me away when I see these come across. I'm like, this little guy from Greenville, Mississippi is is reaching people ten thousand miles away. Like you're you're able to reach these people and them trust you enough 
to purchase something from your store and trust that they're going to get it 10,000 miles yeah. away. Like, it's unbelievable. That's the yeah. power of the internet. It is the power of the internet. And, um, you know, you don't miss out. Anytime you mention so, don't miss out the passion, the consistency, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and the dream. You know, they, they all come hand in hand. And, and that's what makes a difference. Okay. So I'm going to be very, very mindful of your time, Jonathan. Um, I, I just have to confess that I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I didn't think it was going to stretch this long. And so the audience, you know, people listening to it up to, up to this point, you know, are still, you know, quite, quite interested. But before I let you go, um, I'd like you to, um, to, to, do, to, 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 to get into our lightning round, um, you know, um, section where I ask you a single question. We'll ask you a question rather. And if you could use a single sentence to, to answer each of my questions, it'd be fantastic. Okay, let's do it. All right, good stuff. Okay, right. Let's 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 get this started. Okay, what are you a morning person? Yes, I am. Okay, so what's 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 your morning daily morning routine like? Uh, it's more than one sentence, but uh, my morning routine is uh, very consistent. I think it's very important to have a morning routine. My morning starts at three forty-five in the morning. I wake up. Yeah, okay. I wake up and what time do you go to choice. sleep? Uh, eight to eight fifteen. I'm okay. uh, early to sleep, early to rise type guy. It wasn't always like that. It was backwards uh, for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found also reading books. You, the vast majority of most successful people are early risers. So I'm like, okay, let me do that. <laughs> so I had to make the transition to doing that. Uh, so I wake up at 3.45. I go into our, what we call a spa room. Uh, it's just a room that we have some different gadgets and stuff in. Um, I lay on a massage slash heating pad where I do uh, three to five rounds of the Wim Hof method deep breathing exercises mm-hmm. while I'm doing red light therapy. I have a thing that comes over the top of me and I do red light therapy. Now, when I'm done with the front side and the deep breathing um meditation i flip over on my front and do my back uh, with the red light after that i get out and walk out and i have a deep freezer if people follow my social media they'll see me getting in in the mornings but right after that um, i go get into a deep freezer of uh, freezing cold water that's usually around 32 degrees it's uh, it's got ice in it i sit in there for a minimum of three minutes to do cold exposure uh, mm-hmm. These are hormetic stressors that makes your body do amazing things. It makes it release a lot of amazing things on top of the deep breathing exercises. Uh, and then from there, I get out. And since you're super energized when you get out of a freezing cold body of water, um, I go into our gym and I do some uh, resistance training for around 30 minutes. So that's my morning you're jacked. routine. Uh, I've seen your biceps. You're, you're a jack guy. Over there. <laughs> but I, I had a, a whole other thing about trying to take my health more seriously uh, because yeah. the thing about entrepreneurship is you start making more money, you start eating out more, mm. and you start making bad eating and health decisions. And b- mm. before I knew it, I was um, 40 pounds overweight, and mm. it's not good. And mm. I saw like the results of that. So I'm like, let me fix that. So I've been taking my health a lot more seriously over the past couple of years. Super, super interesting. Super, super interesting. Next question is, are you into sports? <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay, <laughs> in the show, he said, I could answer that one. In, uh, Why like did you hesitate? Uh, it's just not my thing. I understand people love sports and like to cheer on a team and everything like that. But 
I'm not big on watching TV either. Like, so, yeah. I mean, we got a, we just got a new house and renovated it and we got this big TV. I'm like, why did I do that? Because <laughs> the house is bigger, so you had to get a bigger TV. But, like, we don't watch any sports or anything like that. So, um, right. just, just never been a, a big fan of it. I mean, I've been to some games. And while it's cool and I can appreciate people's love and passion for it, it's just not my thing. Like, yeah, same here. Same here. What book are you currently reading or listening to? Which one? Um, oh, the the Carnivore Code. Okay, interesting. That's, interesting. Yeah, it's about the carnivore diet where people mm -hmm. just eat meat. And okay. There are studies on that. What's been your best mistake to date? By that I mean a setback that's given you the biggest feedback. Oh, that's a good one, man. Uh, the biggest one. Probably trusting people too much too fast, giving them too mm. too much responsibility too fast, uh, it's burned me a lot. Mm. If you could give, if you could choose a single book, resource, event, gathering that has made the highest impact on how you view building and building a business and growth, which would it be? Mm, uh I really enjoyed Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. Um, mm. He's an ex-Navy SEAL or a previous Navy SEAL. And it's you can apply that into anything um, because taking extreme ownership over anything that happens to you, like no matter what, is um, just great. So that, that's been a, that was a good one for me. Right. Okay. So Jonathan Price. JP, as some people call you, it's been yeah. an absolute pleasure having you on the 2X e-commerce podcast show. For people who want to find out more about, um, you know, what you guys do in in, in Down for Sound Shop, it's down, D-O-W-N, number four, soundshop.com. I will link to it in the show notes. Um, you could Google it. Um, Jonathan, you're active on all socials. I'll link to all your socials, your YouTube, your Instagram, the Facebook it's been phenomenal having you. I really appreciate it, man. I, I've really enjoyed it too. I love, like I said, if, if just a single person out there takes a, a single nugget and, and applies it and it makes their life better, my job here is done. Like, uh, but if, if a million people will take it and do something with it, that's completely amazing. That's the impact. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X e-commerce. We encourage you to connect with our community of 2X e-commerce listeners on our Facebook group, e-commerce growth accelerator mastermind. Just search for 2X e-commerce on Facebook to find it. Answer three questions and you'll be approved. Grab the show notes of this episode on our website, 2xecommerce.com. Finally, if you haven't already, give the show a review on your podcasting app. Catch you on the next show and keep growing.